Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Fun day to be at church. So happy to be with you guys. Um, If I haven't met you, my name is Bria. I am the operations director here at Saints Hill, and I'm just excited to get to share during our vision series today. The, The vision series, for me, that's like one of the hardest times when someone's like, just do whatever you want for this. I'm like, that does not help me very much. And I get very nervous and don't know where to go with it. But thankfully, the Lord comes through. So I just asked him where to go for vision. There's so many spots that we could focus on. We have an amazing 10 core values at our church. If you haven't listened to the 10 core values series, especially that very first one that we did that went through every single one, I encourage you to go back there on our website on the sermons page, especially if you're new to Saints Hill, please go back and listen to all of those that you would get familiar with the core values of this church, of what we run on. Um, and those are such a sweet thing that we do sometimes for this vision series. I also thought about, okay, we could talk about like the basics of the church, how it sets up, set up and how we work as a family. And that's really fun to do too. But as I asked the Lord, I feel like I was just supposed to share from the gift that this body has actually been to me of what it has taught me. And the thing that he brought to mind that I've learned here in the four years that I've been a part of this church family is that surrender is a joy. It's the joy of being a surrendered person, of giving your yes to Jesus. When I first became a part of this family, I think my yes wasn't something that I really thought about. The impossible wasn't something that I really thought about. Um, But I watched people who had just surrendered their whole lives, who had come to Jesus, who had come to his feet and said, oh, you can have whatever you want. And the fruit of those lives has changed me forever to get to see them. And then to get to do that myself, to get to surrender to Jesus, I found that my giving my yes is the freest that I have ever been. It's the most freedom that I've ever experienced to come to King Jesus and say, I surrender to you. And I think it's when people have seen that fruit, that the joy of surrender, it becomes easy. And I think that's what God has for this family as we move into another new season, as we look at what a new year looks like for this house, is that surrender would be easy for us. That it would be easy for us and a joy for us to come to the Father and say yes to whatever he wants. And that word, you'll hear it here a lot. I've already said it a lot. Surrender, it's as a staff, we talk about how we can only lead from a place of surrender. We can only lead from where we've given our own yes. We can only lead from what we've been fed on by him. When we worship, we'll talk about give your worship as an act of surrender. Um, We talk about the goal for this family. It's not, oh, we want to grow in number. It's not, we don't have like a marketing strategy. It's we want to see a surrendered people alive in Newburgh, alive to what God is up to, that they can give their yes every single day. And the power of this body is going to be a people that live with the level of freedom that comes from that, that we strengthen and encourage each other in surrender. So for this next step in our vision series, I want to explore that together. What, What does it actually mean to surrender? What does it actually mean to be a body who lives surrendered? Um, What does that word even mean? Um, And I think what what comes to your mind when you hear it is an important thing. I think for a lot of us, that common picture is going to look something like, I think it's the first picture I have in the slides, but it's going to look something like this. It's 
going to look like. I have my white flag out. I've just, I've, I've lost. I give up. And surrender is this place where I've come to the end. It's this last ditch effort to just preserve my life. It's this last, last chance to say, okay, just like, don't hurt me and I'll surrender to you. But is this what we're talking about when we talk about biblical surrender? When we talk about this concept of a church of kingdom surrender unto God? Um, as I was studying for today, I was like, oh, the word surrender isn't actually even in the Bible. <laughs> it's in, not in the New King James Version at all. In the NIV, it shows up, but it's always that, that kind of like warlike um, imagery. It's that very white flag, this army surrendering to this army. So is it simply a matter of the weaker capitulating to the stronger? I think when we talk about surrender, what the Bible talks about in surrender in the kingdom of God, the invitation that we're talking about is something different. Um, so before we go any further, let's open up our Bibles. Go to Romans 8, we're gonna be in verse 31. sip a little water while y'all get there. All right, Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That warfare language, it's there but it's very different than that white flag picture that might come to our minds. It's less of God winning against us for the sake of our surrender and more of God winning for us for the sake of our surrender. We are conquerors through him. I do, I give up my rights, I lay down my life, I put down my arms, but then he says, I invite you to be a victor with me. Biblical surrender is surrender unto King Jesus and it looks far more like adoption than it does domination. This surrender works differently in that it is not for our shame, but for our justification. Surrender in the kingdom of God is actually union with original design. It's a child returning to the father. Surrender is to do the opposite of what we see in Eden with original sin, right? It's the opposite of, I, I don't believe you, I don't trust you. And it's to say, oh no, God, I see you and I believe you and I will trust what you say. This full trust in him, that's our surrender. Philippians 4 goes on to say, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Uh, Mulholland, uh, I have a quote from him up here. He puts it this way. 
The peace of God is not a static concept, it is an active reality. God's peace, God's shalom, is a vital relationship with God in which we find the true fulfillment of our being, true identity and value. This part's key. This relationship is a living and active reality that shapes and guides the life of the disciple who lives in the kind of trust that Paul has just described in Philippians 4. This life of trust, it's a life of surrender. And in very simple terms, and I've already used this language a little bit, to be surrendered is to give our yes to him. Uh, there, Ignatius, you guys have probably heard of him, but he writes about St. Teresa and St. John of the Cross in one of his books, and he talks about um, just kind of like the difference between them and a lot of people that we see who would call themselves Christians. If you guys know anything about St. Teresa or St. John of the Cross, they were people who were known for their complete surrender, for giving up their lives unto the call of God and the works that he did through them. And Ignatius says this, they are weighed down with the same human nature we all have, and they experience the same temptations. The difference is that they say a complete yes to the healing grace God offers to everyone, whereas most of us say maybe, or somewhat, or wait a while, not yet. And today as we explore biblical surrender, I think that question is on the table for us, is where, where am I at with that question? When I think of my surrender unto Jesus, am I able to give my full yes, or am I looking at him and I'm saying maybe, or not yet, like wait until I've finished a few things? And that question's not to induce guilt in us, but it's that we would more clearly see the invitation that is on offer for us today. We would more clearly see the invitation to surrender as joy, that we are able to find joy in this kind of surrender that lays ourselves down unto King Jesus. So let's go on this journey together. I want to uncover some of the depth of what that surrender looks like. And I wanna just start with a little bit of defining. When we talk about biblical surrender, what are we talking about? And I have three elements that I think we should look at today um, as we kind of navigate through this idea, through this biblical concept of surrender. The first is where we should always look first. It's King Jesus, to whom we surrender. There's a song that uh, a lot of us have, I think we've sung it here before, and all of us have probably heard, but it goes, surrendering is easy when it comes to you. I was made to love you. It's the least that I could do. There is a surrender for the sake of surrender. If I give my yes just to the commands of the Bible, it actually means nothing apart from the one who is worthy of my yes. I say yes unto a person, not unto a set of beliefs. It's not the, oh, I see a set of beliefs that I really like, and I'll say yes to that and shape my life that way. No, true surrender is unto the person of King Jesus, and we must first see him rightly. That's why one of the first core values of our church is that God is good. <laughs> Have you tasted and seen that God is good? Have you met him? Have you seen him? Because it's from seeing him and knowing him, of believing who he says he is, that everything else stems from that our surrender stems from, is when we see him clearly that I actually see reality for what it is and I realize, oh, I want to cast my every crown at his feet. When Jesus first calls the disciples, they drop their nets and the word says, immediately they went after him. They didn't stop to think how they'd be provided for. Mary comes and she pours, she breaks her perfume at his feet, not thinking about the social implications. We see Paul and he goes to the people who wanna kill him. He doesn't think about his life as his first priority anymore. And what all of these had in common is that they saw Jesus. They met him and it changed everything. When we understand what he's like, how good that he truly is, 
surrender becomes easy. When in God's presence, surrender is almost reflexive. When I'm met by a father who is that good, my yes is what I want to give him. I want you guys to turn in your le- to the left in your Bible, Psalm 33. There's obviously so many places we can go to look at who God is, to look at what he's like, but I just want to sit in this passage for a minute. If it helps you to pay attention to, you can even close your eyes as I read, but it's going to be up on the sides as well. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the, with the harp. Make music to him with the lyre. Wait, this is the wrong psalm. Where am I at? Oh, starting in verse four, Jacob. Thanks, guys. Okay, verse four. You're all with me now. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you now. Okay, verse four. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of us all, who considers everything that they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And it is God, it is what he's like. It is his faithfulness, his goodness, his justice that makes it easy to hope in him that makes it easy to surrender in him. We talked earlier about how we want as a family to get our hopes up, but it's not just because we have seen miraculous things. We get our hopes up because God is who he says he is. We get our hopes up because we've seen him and we've seen that like, oh, when I believe you, I get to participate in heaven coming to earth. I get to participate in what you're up to in the world. And then when we've seen him offering ourselves as that living sacrifice, it actually becomes our great joy. And this is why one of the things we talk about too all the time around here is the importance of encounter. Because one of the greatest ways that we're formed in his image is by meeting with him, by encounter with him, by seeing him. And I would tell you, never will mature past encounter. You're never gonna get to the point where you have seen, oh, I've seen Jesus, I know him, and I'm gonna move on to something else to try and get myself formed. No, it's encounter with Jesus that forms us. It is encounter with him that will make us the people that we were called to be. And so I don't think, maybe you feel like I've been a Christian for years and years and this encounter stuff, like I've met him, love him, see you, see you later. 
That's not our call. Our call is that we would have day-to-day encounter with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus himself, that we'd wake up to his reality in our lives and we'd wake up to who he is and we would say, oh, every morning I wake up and I'm hungry to taste and see of you, God. And if surrender seems really far from what you desire, if as I'm talking and you're like even looking at him and giving him my yes, that doesn't sound easy. That doesn't sound actually like something I even really wanna do. The invitation is to just turn your attention to him. If you feel like you've lost your taste for who God is, you've lost your taste for the things of his kingdom, turn your attention back to him. He's not looking for results to flow from you, but he's looking that you would be his and that his love would transform you. He's a good God who when we see him, surrender is easy. And if it doesn't feel easy, it's still, you're like, well, I've been turning my attention to him, I've been looking at him, and this surrender thing, giving him my yes, it's still not easy. Well, we have a really cool opportunity at that point where we get to offer him the sacrifice of our surrender. We get to offer him the sacrifice of our praise. It's this thing where we align with what all of heaven knows already is that he is worthy. And we say, okay, regardless of how I feel, about you, regardless of how I feel about my situation, I'm gonna agree with heaven and say you are worthy and I'm gonna turn my face towards you and I'm gonna give you my yes even if I don't want to. And that's what obedience is, right? Obedience is that we get an invitation to turn and to look at God against sometimes what we feel and against sometimes what we like wish that we would do instead and say, but I trust you and I trust the plans that you have for me. A sacrifice of praise. And in that, we, I mean, we give our sacrifice to so many things, right? <laughs> or maybe you don't think you do, but you do. We, I don't offer it, Jesus is saying, you can give me your sacrifice. But often what we do is we give, we give our yes, we give our sacrifice of praise, we give our time, we give our attention, think of it as your attention, to, my, to your social media feed, to the people in your life whose opinions matter more than his, to the things around you that feel like they deserve all of your attention, and every day we're choosing to give that sacrifice somewhere. But what he's saying is like, oh, let it be unto me. Let it be to me. And that's where true joy is found. Because the invitation of Jesus is that in our surrender, where most things that you surrender to, well, everything except for him, if you surrender to them, you become a slave to them. You are not free under their lordship. But what Jesus says is come to me and I will make you free in your surrender. I will free you from the things that distract you. I will free you from the intentions that are not of my Father and that we would submit ourselves again because he's the only one that can steward well our full surrender, our full lives, our full yes. When we trust who he is, we can walk in obedience even when we aren't sure what the future would bring and we can be sure of him. So our surrender, it must always start with the person of Jesus. Surrender apart from him doesn't mean anything. And where Jesus will lead us is to the next element I wanna look at at surrender, and that's initial surrender. And this is what a lot of us in this room have experienced. A lot of us have given him our initial yes. We've seen the grace of God and we've received who he is. And for anyone who hasn't, it's on offer for you today. It's giving Jesus our yes for the first time, believing his name, trusting who he says he is. John 1:12 says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. 
This is the invitation that Jesus bought on the cross, is this initial surrender to say, oh, I want to move into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness. God, I believe what you say, and I want to be your child. There's no greater gift than this, that he's removed. We sang it earlier. He's removed every obstacle between me and him. There is nothing that holds me back from him. He has done the work of removing anything that could have kept you from his side and says, come to me. And that initial surrender is saying, yes, Lord, I will come to you. I want to know you. The world gives us again a million places to give our yes. But today, even if it's for the first time, let's look at the only one that matters and just say, yes, Jesus, I want to be yours. It's that initial surrender that invites us into a new life, into a new way, into his way, into his life with him. The joy of that initial surrender is that we're invited into greater surrender. And greater surrender is unto greater intimacy. And that's the third, third piece of this surrender is that greater surrender unto greater intimacy. So remember, my surrender is always unto a person. My yes is unto a person. I can't disassociate it from relationship. When I, do, when I disassociate my yes from relationship, I actually, I just perform. I actually, I get rid of what he's actually asking me to do and I just do what I think the world wants to see or even what the church wants to see. That's just as bad if it's apart from him. Remember how we talked about surrender as trust. Um, again, another quote from Mulholland until probably what book that I've been reading. But it says this, this trust is what classical Christian tradition calls detachment. It is neither passive resignation nor fatalistic acquiescence to whatever comes. It is rather a consistent posture of actively turning our whole being to God so that God's presence, purpose, and power can be released through our lives into all situations. Let me read that second part again. It is rather a consistent posture of actively turning our whole being to God so that God's presence, purpose, and power can be released through our lives into all situations. That is the daily call to surrender, that we would actively turn our whole being toward him, that we would get to see what happens through our lives, that what God wants to do would be released everywhere because I am turning my whole self to him and saying, okay, yes to whatever you wanna do. It's that daily call to give up my way and to say yes to his. As an example, say that my way that I've grown accustomed to in life, my way is that I, I wanna make things happen for myself. My way is I am after progress. And so I wake up in the morning and I have said, okay, tension, stress, baggage, it's all part of life, but I'm, I'm going here. I have my eyes set on a goal. And so when I wake up in the morning and I just pick up that way that I'm accustomed to, what, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna run to like my bank account app and say, how much money do I have? Oh, if it's not enough, let me like go do something to get a little more. I'm gonna look at my husband and say, I don't really have time to like talk to you. I got stuff to do. Or I'm gonna run out of the house and not take a moment to pause because, oh, I could get another thing done if I leave 20 minutes earlier. But if I wake up and I surrender the way that I'm accustomed to, and I say, Jesus, I want your way. I want what Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Taking on a new way, it's taking on a new yoke. It's taking off the one that I've worn for so long, the one that I'm accustomed to, the one that's even gotten really comfortable on my shoulders and saying, no, Jesus, I want yours. I want your yoke to sit upon me. I want your way to lead me. 
and I ask, what yes do you want me to give today? And it doesn't mean that walking in his way isn't gonna be work or that there's not gonna be times where it feels hard, but it will be rest for my soul. I won't work in vain. I won't spend my day just turning my wheels because I'm giving the right yes. I'm giving it unto him. And it doesn't, like that doesn't only change my life, it draws me closer to him. Again, greater surrender unto greater intimacy with him. And it's not just giving up my way, but it's giving up my will, what I want to happen. We watch Jesus do this, right? My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will be done. We all have things that we want, things that we hope for, or things that we see in the world and we're like, I have no idea, God, how you could work that for good. But the invitation, this relational trust in the Father is to say, I want whatever you want more. I want you more, Jesus, than all the other things that take up space in my, in my desire and what I hope the future looks like. And that's why true obedience, that's what it's look, it looks like, is saying, Jesus, I just want what you want so I'm gonna give you my yes. But that's impossible without intimacy, without trusting him as father, without the relational trust that says, okay, even though everything in me screams the opposite, I know that I can trust you because I know you. And that's the joy of surrender. And those three things, those were really brief as far as like where we could have gone with them. But those are those three elements surrender that I want us to see is that it first starts with a person, starts with King Jesus. Two, there's our initial surrender. This is the moment that you meet him, the first time you give him your yes, that first love. And then it's greater surrender unto greater intimacy. And that's what it looks like to be a child of God, to receive that identity day by day. And the, like, the question that might still be looming in your head is, okay, I've seen, seen that surrender. Actually, do I wanna give my full yes, but how do I continually surrender? <laughs> how do I live a life that looks like that? And this might seem counterintuitive at first, at first, but I think that receiving is the true posture of surrender. Receiving is the true posture for how I surrender to Jesus. Because think of what we read, what we read first, right? It's that he conquered all so that we could be victorious with him. It's what he already did that I get to receive that even gives me the, like, the possibility to surrender my life to him. I even think of the physical posture of surrender, right? Think of like our worship. You think of hands or I'm on my knees. These are postures of surrender, yes, but also of receiving. I'm open, God, to whatever you wanna do. I'm open to receiving from you. Think about where we started this journey. He gave himself freely and fully so that we could receive. We cannot be a surrendered people without being a receiving people. And it's receiving that allows me to surrender and surrender that allows me to receive. When I look at biblical surrender um, and how we receive from the Father, the best posture I can think of if we're like, okay, what does a posture of receiving look like is like a child. Is that childlike posture, that childlike surrender. And Alex has talked about this the last, um, for a couple of the vision teachings as well, that being fathered by God, what it means to be a people of hope and joy. They're able to run to the Father with arms wide open as a child. And I think as we look at what it means to be surrendered, at the joy of surrender, God's inviting us to that same thing. Remember what it means to be my child. Return to childlikeness that makes it possible for you to receive from me. I did a, a, a exercise in this class that I'm in in school, and it was really fun because you get to look back at your baby pictures, but they had you take your, your childhood pictures, and I think I have a slide. 
of the ones that I used. Yeah, there she is. And they had you ask the question, when you look at these photos, what hints at the original design and image of God? What hints at his intent? And I remember looking at these pictures, especially that one in the middle. That girl, she's satisfied. She is having a great time. There's joy on that face. There's an abandon. In that middle one, I'm fishing with my dad. I like couldn't be happier. The, just like that running to Jesus, that joy that is when you look at those like childhood photos of what did he create you to be like? What does that picture tell me about my identity? What does that picture tell me about, oh no, this is how you intended me to live. This is how you intended me to live. This is how you intended me to be that I would expect that you would satisfy my needs. You can pull that slide down, but I want us to each take, take time to ask that question for ourselves, even right now. Um, you can close your eyes if it makes it easier to focus, but I want you to just ask, ask the Lord to give you a picture. Maybe it's you as a child. I know for a lot of us, um, childhood maybe held a lot of pain, or maybe that picture, you're like, that doesn't, doesn't, my childhood didn't seem joyful. Pick a child you know. Pick a child who you see and the joy lights up in their face. Pick a child who you see live with abandon. You see them run to the safety of their father. Get that image in your head. And as it comes to you, I just want you to ask the Lord, God, what does that picture tell me about how you made me to be? God, what does that picture tell me about the identity you've given me? Just take a moment to receive those words from him. Coming from that place of childlike identity, having those, those identity words, how does a child like that, how do they receive? Are they expectant? Do they sit in waiting? Are they sometimes demanding? Hopeful. That child is hopeful. You can open your eyes if you have them closed. But this is the image that we were created in. We were created in the image of God for joy, for satisfaction in the Father. And however life has caused us to move away from that, I feel like you, you start as a child and you know that you're protected and you're cared for and you're loved. And we've learned somewhere along our lives like, oh, I need to protect myself. I need to self-protect. I need to make sure people can't see me so they can't reject me. I need to make sure that I can take care of myself. I need to make sure that I can figure out my finances or I know where my next thing's coming from. I need to promote myself. And what Jesus says in this return to childlikeness is you don't have to. You don't have to. That we should actually, as followers of Jesus, be people who don't think about protecting ourselves. That we're so unafraid, we're so not risk averse. We want risk, the opposite of that. We want to risk for the kingdom of God because we're so safe in our Father because we actually can live as children. We can be childlike and say, oh, I expect you to come through. I actually expect that I'm gonna receive from you and I don't have to perform or protect or try to come through for myself. And that's the posture of receiving. And it's again, it's just back to that posture of trust. When you're in a posture of receiving, you're trusting your father to be as good as he says that he is. You're trusting your father to show up and to be with you. You're trusting that what he says is good. So what are some, some practical ways, just before we end, that we can posture ourselves to receive? 
some of the ways that we can posture ourselves to receive and surrender. And one of the most helpful that I've been um, getting to engage with with the Lord lately is just silence. Sitting in silence, not in this Eastern meditation way where I'm emptying my mind, but I sit in silence and I say, Lord, draw my attention to you. And I just sit in silence. Sometimes I'll take a couple deep breaths, plant my feet, open my hands. For me, I use like a word to return to. It's usually like the name of Jesus. I'll just have it because my mind goes everywhere. So if I want to be silent, even for like my max is like three minutes. So not anything impressive. But getting to just turn my mind back to him in this place of where, oh, I'm actually not, I'm not offering you anything. I'm not performing in any way. I'm not trying to produce anything. And like, Lord, if you speak, that's awesome. But if you don't, that's also awesome because my only goal in this silence is to be with you, to turn my attention to you. That that's a really, really great place to practice childlikeness, to strip ourselves of that performance, to strip ourselves of that space where, oh, well, what, what should I be doing? It's like, no, just receive. You can just receive. You can be quiet and you can receive from him. Another great way to posture ourselves to receive is like, is to go to the scriptures, to do what we just did, but to go to the scriptures and say, God, what do you say about who I am? What do you say about what the world is like? Choose a psalm, like the one that we read that speaks to the character of God and read it one time, two times, three times. Say, what are you showing me about yourself? And when he shows you something, praise him for who he is, receive who he is. Again, start with King Jesus and see, oh, you're so worthy of my surrender. Start with him and see like, oh, I have a good father who is worthy of my trust. Or passage that speaks to your identity and you can posture yourself saying, oh, I believe this is what is true about me. And it doesn't have to be either of those things. But what for you turns your attention back to the father? What calls you back to him, to his side, turns your attention to relationship with him? That in his presence you would receive fullness of joy. That you'd be able to give your full yes. And I think it's important to remember that as we, as, we do, as we do these things, as we turn our attention towards him, surrender is a journey. That's why it's not just initial surrender. It's daily surrender. It's not just, okay, yeah, I surrendered to him one time 10 years ago, or I received something from him 10, like, 10 years ago, and I'm living off it today. No, he created you to live off new things from him every day, to receive from him every day. And there's going to be days where we fail, and that's okay, because the invitation is to be with him. I think I, uh, I got out of school the other day. I was in Portland, and we had just, we'd done kind of like stuff we just did. We sat in silent prayer. We prayed over each other. We got words from the Lord. I left feeling so, like, encouraged. And I was like, God, you can have my full yes, my everything. I get in my car, and I go to Ikea because I had to go to Ikea. And I, that wasn't a bad thing for me. I was excited. Love it there. And I was, like, also hungry, so I needed to get some meatballs. So I go upstairs to the cafeteria place. And there, I'm, like, getting in line. I'm so hungry. And I can, like, see the dessert that I want in the window. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Get to the front. And this, like, couple just, like, does a little scoot in front. Not a big deal. I just had a lot of time with the Lord listening. It's fine. You can stand in front of me. It's cool. Then this couple in front of me, uh, some of the best, worst, however you look at it, PDA that I've seen in a while. And I was like, okay, this is really, this is getting to me. I don't, I'm, I'm losing all the things I've learned. I'm losing them. And I was like, okay, this is it. Then this couple in front of me grabs the two last desserts that I'd been eyeballing. I know, I know. It's crazy. It was bad. And that's where I said, okay, that's it. I'm cursing you in my mind. We're done. And they, I like, 
I get my food, I like huff to like my table, I scarf it down, I'm by myself. I probably looked so spooky, whatever was happening. But I like, it took, after I finished my food, for me to be like, oh, like, Lord, I just totally, I missed it. I like, I had spent so much time looking at you today and it took just that for me to look away, for me to get so easily offended, (laughs) for me to be so outside of your character for me to be so quick to just like think of just myself. And it was that, that failure that I looked at and he just kindly invited me to just turn my attention to him again. It wasn't, it wasn't like that's what repentance does. It turns us back to him again. And so when we, we fail, it doesn't discount us. It actually invites us to receive again. It doesn't discount us from surrender, but it invites us to surrender all the more. Remember, like we read, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May we look to the one who first loved us who didn't conquer us, but he conquered for us, that we might reign with him, that this life can actually look, it can look like heaven because I reign with him. It can look like when I go to the grocery store, it looks different when I reign with him. It looks different when I turn my attention to him. Giving our yes to him at first love, and then I get to give it again and again for the rest of my days. I get the joy of surrendering to him again and again for the rest of my days, to my good, good father. And I can't think of posturing ourselves to receive, I can't think of anything better than the bread and the cup. So you guys wanna stand with me, we're gonna receive communion together. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you wanna stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, Download the Saints Hill app in the App Store or visit our website.